we get started this morning, um, we are finishing um, the last of our, our core value um, series. We've, we've walked through five, and this morning we'll have our sixth. So next week we'll be back in more of a normal kind of redeemer rhythm of um, beginning a new book and just working through a book chapter by chapter over the course of weeks and months um, as necessary. Um, and so this morning we're going to look at the core value of generosity. Um, I do want to just immediately like take you off the hook and say, hey, this isn't just about money. I think sometimes there's a fear when you hear the word generosity with churches. You're like, well, we knew it was coming at some point, right? That money had to be a conversation. Um, and so it, this will talk, we'll talk about money this morning, but not simply money, because generosity is far more than that. Um, I think we, we can fear talking about it because um, it feels personal. Um, it definitely tugs and, and, and reveals things in us that we don't always want revealed. It can be, do that on both the side of not having enough or on the side of not wanting people to know how much you do have. Um, it's one of those questions that is just kind of not polite conversation, right? Like it, really the, the two things I could ask that would offend most of you um, the quickest would probably not even be like something political, but it would be how much is in your checking account this morning and how much do you weigh, right? Like those two questions, you're like, hey, I don't know I'm comfortable here. I'm not coming back. Um, and yet, it's just not polite conversation. Um, and yet, Scripture speaks a ton about money. And this morning, really what we want to look at is, why would generosity be a core value here? Right? Like, why is it that we would want to talk about this and make this kind of a hallmark of who we want to be as a church? And so, again, like the last five weeks, um, we're going to be jumping around Scripture a little more than we typically are being anchored in a passage. Um, so... Colin is going to try to keep up because I didn't give her a list this morning. That's on me. And if you need to mark things down or ask me afterwards, um, please feel free to do that. We're going to start in Psalm uh, chapter 50, beginning in verse 9. And I just kind of want to set the tone this morning with the, the character and kind of nature of God in regard to generosity. So Psalm 50, verse 9. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the fields is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Right? Like just this kind of reminder, hey, God owns it all. It's His. It belongs to Him. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 17. We'll see a similar idea beginning in verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Right? Just this reminder that like, God doesn't need something from us this morning. Right? He, he doesn't need um, our money he doesn't need our breath. Like, He owns it. He's made it. He's given it. We need to keep that order um, in, in mind this morning. And then finally, this is Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Right? Just this like, Cut to the chase verse that says, listen, if God has given us Jesus to restore us 
back to right relationship with God, if He's given us the one thing that we could not do on our own, we could not have peace with God apart from the life, the death, the sacrifice, the resurrection of Jesus, if He's done that, why would He now then be stingy? Right? Like, why would He now withhold from us the things that we need for life? Right? And again, we're not talking merely money here. Right? He's like, He gives us the Spirit. He gives us one another. He is generous with us. And so this morning, I really just want us to start by being reminded that God is our provider. Right? And that's not cliche. That He is gracious and generous. That He owns it all. That there is an abundance in His hands that we don't have to worry about Him running out or not having enough. And that if we doubt that at all, that we look at the sacrifice of Jesus who did not tithe a little bit of his blood, right? And some junior high, like, blood cutting, you know, and shaking hands, best friends, blood brothers type situation. Like, that he gave it all. Like, that he poured out his life on behalf of those who are currently his enemies. To make them sons and daughters of the king. Like, he, it is deeply costly. And it was extraordinarily generous. And that we're then invited in as, as undeserving except that Christ has now made us righteous. Right? That, that we are invited in to eat and to feast and to be a part of His kingdom and His family now and for all time, for eternity. That God has been abundantly generous with us. And when we forget that, we merely have to look at Jesus to be reminded that God has it all, that He gives it all, and that He's inviting us in. And so like many things that we look at, when we look at the character of God in Scripture, the call then on our lives is this, is are we reflecting it rightly? Are we looking like Jesus? Not to gain His attention for salvation, but because we've received it, are we now then walking in obedience and faithfulness to it and allowing others to see us as a mirror, right, reflecting the image and the character of Jesus? Before we look at what it would look like to, to reflect generosity. Can we just be reminded this morning that as, as good West Texans, we're not always real great at receiving generosity? Right? Like that we're glad to be on the, the, the giving end. A lot of times we're not so glad to be on the receiving end. Um, that, that it is easier for us to give than it is to receive. And yet Acts 20, right? Paul writes, uh, um, it mentions about Jesus, that he says it's better to give than to receive. And that what we don't want to do is rob someone else of a blessing of being able to give. Um, this week, uh, my family and I took a, just a quick little last trip before school starts for a couple days, and we were um, at Turner Falls in Oklahoma coming out of the river at the end of the evening, and the kids were wanting a snow cone or some ice cream. We walked by this little con- con- uh, concession stand, and they're about to close up, and we get over there, and it says cash only. And I didn't have any cash on me. So I said, okay, we'll have to go back up to the cabin. There's another concession stand. Um, but it was closing in like five minutes. And so we're just walking away. And listen, there were no tears. No one was griping. No one was complaining. It was just a, I don't have cash. And this family's sitting there, and the guy goes, hey, I'll buy it. And immediately, right, like your skin, you're just like, ah. No, right? Like, you know, the kids are all like looking at you like, what's dad going to say here? And so Carmen's like, well, you'll have Venmo, I'll Venmo you, right? Like, we're paying it, you're just like fronting us the cash. And they're like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So the kids go over and order. I don't order. 
right? Because I'm, I'm like, this is awkward, and it's, it's super kind, and it's $16, it's not a big deal, and yet I'm going, ah, oh, this is really weird for me. And so the kids grab their, their stuff, and they're eating, you know, thank yous, and Carmen goes, all right, what's your Venmo? I want to send you some money, and they're like, oh, we don't have any of that. Like, we, we just, just take it. Like, we're glad to do it. And like, I don't know what to say, right? Like, because you're like, thank you, feels weird, because you don't know me, and yet you just bought my kids ice cream. And it was just this, like, weird interaction this, this week as I'm preparing to preach on generosity. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm not great at receiving generosity from folks. And I think most of us would feel that way, right? That it's hard for us to want to receive it. And so this morning, would we examine our hearts, not just in our willingness to be generous, but also to receive generosity and not rob someone else of the blessing of being faithful and obedient to Jesus in being generous, right? You need people on both ends of it, and we should be on both ends of it, right? It shouldn't be, you're the generous one, and they're always the recipient. It can be both, and we can be on both sides of it. If you want, turn with me to Matthew 25. Here's where we are reminded that this is not simply a money issue. All right? In Matthew 25, beginning in verse 34, we see this. The king will say to those on his right, right? We, it's this parable of, of God separating those who know him and those who don't. And he says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Right? That as we are serving and being generous, right? and you notice that some of those had nothing to do with money. It was visitation. It was energy. It was time. It was being present. It was giving out of an abundance of many areas of our life. That we are honoring and worshiping and pleasing Jesus. It's like He's receiving it. And so listen, generosity is money, right? That is part of it. But it is also our time. It's also just our, our energy, right? Like the, the, the emotion that we put into something. It's also our, our talents, our giftings, the way that God has wired us. Let's give a few examples of this. Um, listening to people can be difficult. And so whether this is as a parent or as it is as someone with elderly parents or neighbors, whether this is with kids at school, whether this is in your gospel community. Right? Giving time and attention and energy to actually let someone be heard right, is being generous. Right? Think about the world that we live in right now. It's far, so often, like far too often what you see is someone is talking while someone else is looking at their phone or they're doing something else and they're not giving eye contact, they're not really listening, they're not really being heard. Right? Like You're being generous when you give someone your attention. You look at them and you say, I'm listening, I hear you, I see you. 
You're known, you're loved in this moment. That doesn't just have to be family. That can be strangers. That can be friends. That can be folks in your gospel community. It's time. It can be coming in here on a Sunday morning or walking through um, Pampa during the week, right, and going, hey, God, would you give me eyes to see people? Like, help me to see what's going on in their life, to know someone who might be lonely and just needs, right, coffee or a meal. Someone who seems like they might be struggling a little bit. Is there a way that I can privately kind of meet that need? Like, not just coming in and thinking about my, myself and what can I consume and what can I get this morning, but what, Lord, give me eyes to see how I can be generous. Not so that we can beat our chest, right? Not so that we can be known as the generous one, but because it is a way that we reflect the glory and generosity of God by honoring Him, by looking like Him. It could be using some of your gifts. Maybe it's, it's baking or cooking. Right? Maybe you're a mechanic or you simply are a very hospitable person. Maybe it's that you visit people. Right? That you, you go, I don't have extra money to give. And you're right, you don't. Right? But you're right, I, I can do these other things that, I, that God has wired me to do and it will serve people. Listen, praying specifically on behalf of someone consistently and regularly is generous. Because it's not easy. It's costly. It takes effort and time to write notes to encourage, to visit, to simply compliment. Right? Like those things to say, like, hey, I see you and I see this in you and I just want to encourage this about you. I see what the Lord is doing and how He's growing you. Like those are ways to be generous that don't cost us anything financially. Right? I, you don't meet people that are like, I've been, been too encouraged this week. I have been overly complimented. Right? Like, that's not really a thing. That we would take the time and the energy to know people and to be, know how to encourage them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we see the heart behind this. This is beginning in verse 6. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all, sufficient, all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Listen, the call to the church, to us as individuals, in our generosity is not dutiful. It's not, I have to do it. It's not under compulsion. It is, I get to do it. Look at the Lord has been kind and gracious to me, and in His generosity, I want to look like Him. Right? If, if you watch um, young kids right around a parent or a grandparent or a close family friend, You'll watch them and they're emulating them, right? Like they're standing like them or they're looking like them. They're doing it because they're like, I like this person and I want to be like this person. When we are generous and we have a cheerful heart in it, we are looking like King Jesus. We are making much of Him because we're glad to do it, not of, well, He told me I have to. Like no one is loved by that. No one is served by that that our heart behind it would be that we are glad to do it. It's one of the reasons, listen, passing an offering plate is not a sin. 
And if you've been here more than one Sunday, you'll notice we've never passed an offering plate. The reason we do that is, is the idea of when you go back and put your offering in that basket that you're able to, to do it joyfully, you're willingly choosing to do it, not because there's watching eyes around you, not because you're wondering if are people paying attention. I God, thank you that you have blessed me. You've been generous and abundant with me and that I can do this. Like I'm glad to do this. That's the heart that we want to see fostered is it's not out of duty, it's out of delight. It's out of cheerfulness and joy. Right? So that the world would then see our good works. Right? That as we are generous, as we are sacrificial, that they would see it and go, why? Listen, if you want to ask, what has the world looked like over the last year? There's been more talk of hoarding than there has been of generosity. Right? Like we see in the grocery store shelves, like everyone taking everything, like wondering, am I going to have enough? And yet the character of the church is, is Acts chapter 2, that everyone like kind of throws in and goes, hey, does someone have need? We'll meet that need. Why? Because we're family. And we're family with those who don't always look like us. Right? We're family, and so we're going to care for one another. And so we want to be sacrificial. We want to be giving. We want to be generous. We don't want to hoard and make sure that we are taken care of to the detriment of everyone around us. Like, what a testimony is that to the world? And why are these people, like, they should know, they should, they should hold on to what they've got. And yet, because, like Jesus, we want to give, right, it draws attention to the glory of Jesus and the good news of the gospel. Ultimately, here's the thing. There's no one verse or one sentence or one statement on finances in, in Scripture. There are hundreds of verses on money. And the danger we would have is that we would take any one scriptural thought on money and make that the only one that we hold on to. Because we will then run to an extreme. We have to hold these kind of divergent views in tension. So scripture will say, I want you to be generous. And it will also say, it's good to leave an inheritance for your family. It'll say, right, I want you to be obedient and not selfish, to see others. But if you don't work, you don't eat. Right? It, like that for whom much is given, much is... Right? Like there's all these ideas that seem like they could be opposed to one another. We've got to hold them in tension and say, okay, Lord, you've made me a, a steward of this. I want to be a good steward of it. So when do I hold on to some? When do I give some? When do I give when it hurts some? Right, like how do how do I steward all of this well? We want rules, right? We want percentages, we want like hard and fast things. Some of us want to be able to write a check and then check out and say, I'm not I'm done, I don't have to be generous. And what scripture is actually saying is it is a heart attitude. Are we having this overflow of abundance of going, I want to give and I want to give a lot of time and energy and money and resources and gifts and talents? and relationship because I've been loved this way. And it is an overflow of that. And so we're not going to give a rule in regards, to, in, in regards to this. We want to hold these things in tension, trusting that the Spirit will dictate to you. Right? Hey, I want you to give more here. What about them? No, I'm asking you to do that. Hey, I want you to save this. 
Right? Like, I want you, like, that the Spirit will lead and guide, and that we want to be guided by Scripture. So, what are some reasons this morning as we look at the character of God and the response of the reflection of being generous that we wouldn't do it? You turn um, in 2 Corinthians where we just were to chapter 8. Um, one of the reasons we wouldn't is because we don't have enough. Right? Like, we're like, hey, God, I don't, I don't quite have enough abundance. I'm not at this level that I need to be. And so until I have that, I can't quite do it yet. I don't have enough. But listen to what Paul writes to the Corinthians who are a wealthier city about the Macedonians who are very poor people, beginning in verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, notice abundance of joy, and their extreme poverty, those things seem mutually exclusive, have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Like what a beautiful passage of saying, these really poor people begged us to take their money so they could give it to other Christians to serve them in a time of need. Church, if we don't take care of a little, we will never give when we have much. Like we, the, the amount is not what matters. It is, the, it is, it is the, the heart that reveals are we a generous people or not. Are we willing to give financially? Are we willing to give time? Are we willing to give energy? You'll never have enough time. You'll never have enough resources, right? We always are going to want a little bit more. You can look back in your life and go, I can't, I just remember when I just wanted to have $500 cushion. And then it's like, if I got there, a $1,000 cushion, a $10,000 cushion, a $100,000, right? Like it, it just grows. We're never actually satisfied with that. So the call is, be generous with a little. And if you're generous with a little, as you have more, you'll continue to be generous. If you are waiting for a dollar amount or an amount of free time to be generous, you're not going to be generous. Those are not the things. The generosity is driven by the fact that we have received generosity in Jesus. We're reminded of this with the widow's might, giving this tiny, minuscule amount of money, and God saying, look at what she gave. Right? Like, it's worship. It was Christ honoring. That money is insidious. Selfishness is insidious. That if we feel like we have to wait until we have an abundance of it, we'll never do it. A second reason why we might not be generous is power and pride. Having an abundance of anything, a skill, a gift, a talent, knowledge, money, resource, whatever it might be, gives us a, a level of power over people. And it can make us be puffed up with pride because I'm better than you because I have more than you, of whatever it is. Simply, Scripture tells us that God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Would we be a humble people who generously reflect the character of God? Not looking to hoard, not looking to boast, not looking to hold power and sway over others. A third is our identity, that we find our identity in what we have. What we have in addition, like more over against others. This is Luke chapter 12. 
15. And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetedness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he goes on to talk about a rich man who, who just continues to build and build and build for himself. And in verse 21 it says, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. That in our abundance of possession, right, is that where we're finding our identity? Are we are finding our identity in our wealth or is it in the fact that we are an adopted son or daughter of the king? That he cares for us and sees us. Right, Mark says we can gain the whole world and lose our soul. Like, what does it benefit us? A third, or sorry, a fourth thing is this: is it can just be control, right? It can be about security. Like, I need to control my bank account. I need to control my time. I need to control my energy output because in that, right, I'm not. I, I can't trust that God is good. And we would never say that out loud. But that's what we're saying: is like, as we're holding on to things, we're like. Does God see me? Does He know me? Does He know what I need? Does He care about me? Does He love me? Is He good? I'm not sure. Got to hold on to it. I'll take care of me. Which is not the heart of a believer who has found that God is an abundant, generous provider who sees us and knows us and knows our frame, knows our weakness, and cares for us. Right? If we go back to the, the Israelites leaving Egypt and God is giving them manna. And He says, hey, don't hoard it. Don't hoard it. Trust there'll be some there tomorrow. I'm teaching you to trust me, my character, my provision. You hoard it, it's going to go bad, but there'll be some tomorrow. Right? And even still, they're like, ah, i got to make sure. And it, and it goes rotten. The question, right, is do we trust that God is good? That He is our provider and that if He calls us to give to a point where it is costly and it hurts, He will care for us. That our identity is not wrapped up in it. Our security is not wrapped up in it. So we want to do this as individuals, but church, we want to do this as a, as a church. That, we, that we're generous. Okay, last, last thing this morning is this. Here's how I want us to end. That we would just take some time now to examine our own hearts. Like that we would be reminded of the character of God that is abundantly generous. That we would know some of the actions that we can do to be generous that don't include money and do include money. That we would look at some of the reasons we wouldn't be generous and that this we would realize that as we examine our hearts this morning, as we ask the Holy Spirit to shine a light on our hearts and our motives and our intentions and our, and our mind, is that generosity is a sign that you believe Jesus that you're saved. Zacchaeus, that wee little guy, right? When confronted with Jesus, goes and repays all that he stole. Some, right, up to four times as much. Versus the rich young ruler who comes and goes, hey, what do I have to have? Inherit eternal life. And when he was told, hey, sell what you have, give it to the poor and follow me, he walked away sad, rejecting Jesus because he had great abundance of wealth. Right? That a sign of a generous heart is a reminder, is an encouragement that you know Jesus. That you've met Him. Church, a huge aspect of generosity is going to learn to be, learning to be content. 
contentment, which is an attitude. It's an attitude of trust that we are seen, known, loved, and cared for by Jesus. So we can be content that God is good. It's why Paul in uh, Philippians, the whole book, but chapter 4 especially, talks about um, the fact that he's learned to be content when he has too much. He's learned to be content when he doesn't have enough. In every circumstance, he has learned contentment that God meets him and is sufficient, Right, that it is an overflow of a heart that has come to know Jesus. Listen to what Paul will write in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierce themselves with many pangs. Now what I want you to notice is it says, right, godliness with contentment is great gain. It does not condemn wealth here, but it condemns a desire, right, to always need more, to always have more. God has blessed and has given some the ability to just, whatever they touch kind of turns to gold, and they have wealth, and then they're super generous with it. But that desire to say, I've got to get wealth at all costs, is a trap. It's a snare and it can lead you away from the faith entirely. And so he then gives a warning at the end of 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning of verse 17. As we examine our heart this morning, hear Paul's warning. As for the rich in this present age, again, he does not condemn them for being rich. Charge them not to be haughty, which is proud, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but instead on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. If you don't have excess money, you're not missing out, right? You have everything you need in Jesus. He is sufficient for you. You have been invited into His abundant kingdom now and for all time. You will taste all the glories right, that He has created, all of the good things of creation for eternity. For eternity. Don't fall into the trap, into the snare of saying, I have to have it now in this age. Church, would we be a generous people? Because what it does is we examine ourselves. It asks the question of where is our treasure? Because that's where our heart is. And that we can be pulling at the roots that this isn't our home. We are headed home. We are traveling through and we are sojourners pointed at Jesus looking to get there. And the more that we have, the more that we want to put down deep roots and the more we're like, Jesus is just bonus. Jesus isn't bonus. Jesus is the treasure. That we would give up everything to have Him. He is enough. You have been invited to eat at His table without cost and without money because of His life and His death and His resurrection. And so we can be anchored in this life to Him despite our circumstances. When we have more than enough, we're okay and secure in Him. 
when we don't have quite enough, we're okay and secure in Him. And we trust that the church is our family who's going to meet needs and care for us. The church, this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a moment and pray. Would it invite you to examine your heart? What is the Spirit convicting and calling you to this morning? Like that you would look at our generous God and you would examine the generosity of your own heart and not limit it to money. There is no shame if you don't have money to give. And if you give freely, don't assume it's only about money. Right? There's something for all of us to examine. And then as the band comes, we're going to sing to our generous King who has rescued us. There'll be some men and women in the back of the room. If you are, are meeting Jesus this, for the first time this morning and, and realizing the generosity that's been given, you're, if you need someone to talk to or pray with, they'll be back there for that. We also have the Lord's Supper set up. That we would be reminded this morning that it is not due to your generosity that Jesus has rescued us. It's due to His. And that His blood was spilt on our behalf. His body was broken on our behalf. And so as we take the cup, as we take the juice, we are reminded, reminded that we have peace with God because of Jesus. And that we then walk in obedience and one of those acts of obedience is generosity in every aspect of life, with a little, with a lot. Would the Spirit move among us, minister to us in these moments? Let's pray. Father, would you overwhelm us with just a reminder of the generosity that you have poured out on our behalf? God, if we don't see our sin as a big deal, if we don't see your rescue as a big deal, it's hard for us to want to be humble enough to be generous. God, help us to see your beauty, your grace, and your gift to us this morning. And then in really clear, precise ways, God, give us eyes to see um, where you are worshipped and pleased in our generosity where you would look and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And God, would you also then examine our heart and our motives and our mind in areas where, where generosity just isn't present. Whether it's as simple as we just need to set the phone down and someone talks to us. Or whether it's that we're holding really tight to control and security. Or anything in between. God, would you do your gracious, kind work of calling us to repentance this morning that we would be known as a generous body, not knowing what the circumstances of this life and this world have in the rest of 2021 or 2022 or the future, God, but that we would point to you by being a sacrificial, generous people in whatever circumstance. In Jesus' name.